Uh, Hi, everybody. Hello, everybody. We are, uh, what are we doing? Um, what's your name again? My name, I think, is uh, Strati Papa Georgiou. Yes, and if I'm not mistaken, my name is Father Michael Tischel. Excellent. And if we're not... I'm pretty sure. I think so. We are... Um, An Imperfect Podcast. 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 Cue <laughs> mm. music. Beautiful Strati. <laughs> what a way to kick things off this morning. I feel refreshed. I, know, I, I do too. I, I, uh, I, you know, and I, I'm going to have to make another comment about your shirt ah. because it uh, looks like you have um, you have uh, been advocating for beards, beards and bearded yeah. ones. And it says, with great beard, dot, dot, dot. And there's a picture of a chin, a bearded chin, <laughs> comes great responsibility. So what does that actually mean? I don't know. <laughs> no. no, I mean, I, I that's, think it that's means. Legit. I think it means um, if you have a beard, mm-hmm. you have to maintain it mm. with great mm. responsibility. Like beard maintenance, maybe. Which <laughs> kind of sounds like a drag, right. actually. When you think about it. Yeah, no, that makes sense. <clears throat> so you're, um, you're sort of saying that. <clears throat> Yeah, for people that have yeah. beards, they can't just leave it no. unkempt. And I mean, you, you know, could. You but, could if you're a monastic, right? Or, uh, you know. Yeah, that's the, really the only exception I can think of. Otherwise, you better. <laughs> I mean, you should you better comb that beard. You better put a little. It's, if it's long. Beard wax in there and some oil and maybe a little trim oh, here and there. That sounds terrible. <laughs> Oils. And... Or you could just let. Let little birdies grow in there. <laughs> little nests. Have, my coffee's lukewarm. Mm. It was warm. It was hot when I. You know what you should do if your coffee is lukewarm. You know what you're commanded to do is spit it out. Yeah, if it's in your mouth. Well, I'm, I'm not like, just gonna lukewarm. Spit it out. Revelations. Not hot. Not cold. Lukewarm. Oh. So I'll spit you out of my mouth. See, I haven't. Sorry. Yeah. yeah, yeah brush up. Brush up. Brush up on my revelations. Yeah, don't go too far with that. Right. I've heard. Yeah. 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 That's okay. Just you know. Just. All the fun I go to once did a class like a, a year long. Uh huh. About Revelation. Oh, well, yeah, I would have liked to. And people would like get, like, because there's like very specific, like, a half an hour then passed. Right. And I remember we spent the half an hour discussing why did it say half an hour? Like, really? people in the class just could not get it. Why? Why half right. an hour? What's the significance? I'm not sure there's any. <laughs> it's really, I think, the, the final take from it, from all the other crazy things that go on in uh, the book of Revelation, like mm-hmm. uh, seven headed monsters and mm-hmm. uh, oh, yeah. with crowns on their heads. Some good stuff. So. So, yes, we are talking about control. Control. And. And. Potentially. Potentially, probably. Nuns. Nuns. Not, not to be confused with N-U-N-S. Right, not monastic nuns. Not monastic nuns, but rather 
N-O-N. Lambastic nuns. Lambastic <laughs> Whatever nuns. that means. No. I don't know. Uh, fantastic nuns. Fantastic nuns. Fantastic people. Uh, N-O-N-E-S. Mm-hmm. And what are we talking about exactly when we talk about those people? Well, essentially when you get a, a piece of paper, when you're filling out a form mm-hmm. and it asks you what religion you are, right? Mm-hmm. Like um, a Christian, Muslim, mm-hmm. Buddhist, Jewish, yep. or none of the above. Yep. Or none. No yep. religion. You check off. And you check off none because you don't say you don't you say you don't belong to any religion, right? And uh, it's been on my mind recently since mm-hmm. we watched Becoming Truly Human. Yeah, which it's a really good. Uh, I think it was really good. I've only seen it once. Yeah, I've seen it twice. Right. So that's one more time so that, that you've seen it. Out. Yeah. <laughs> that is that is one more time that I've seen it. Yeah, you can count. <laughs> In case you were wondering and not tutoring. Right. Um, oh, boy. <laughs> One, two, wonder. Anyway. So anyway, uh, <laughs> so anyway, yeah. Um, so control, control, I think we, that was a topic to discuss. We came up after the last time mm-hmm. we met, like after we closed out and yep. we said, what should we talk about? And well, because if, if I remember correctly, we were yeah, talking about responsibility. Me. Responsibility mm-hmm. and... Yeah. And one of the things that we were discussing is responsibility, even just from the word itself, has to do with the, the, the ability to respond right, to things right. in life. And there's this, there are kind of two levels or two layers where there's like we've got all these responsibilities, plural, sort of like the Martha, um, the Martha <coughs> complex, yeah, Martha I guess you could yeah. say. Yeah, like the Martha married dynamic. Martha where, complex. Yeah, I mean, you know. <laughs> no, no, it's Just, fine. yeah, Martha kind of like an endless amount of. Yeah, like, yeah, yeah to-dos and, and mm-hmm. checking things off. Anxieties. Right, anxieties. And Mary is doing the one thing needful, which is sitting at the feet of the master and listening to his teaching, listening yeah. to his word. And the ability to listen, the mm-hmm. ability to receive, sort of automatically presumes that we've that we've let go. Mm-hmm. So there, in, in many ways, the most responsible thing that a human being can do is to let go. let go. Yeah. Right? Which leads us directly into this theme mm-hmm. and topic of control. There we go. Look at you tying knots and bows and all that <sighs> stuff. That's amazing. See? I forgot everything. That's okay. <laughs> that's all right. That's, that's I'm like I'm a right. clean slate. <laughs> Which is wonderful I'm like for a our newborn topic. baby. A <laughs> uh, little hairier, but anyway. <laughs> Fair. Slightly, a little taller. Slightly hairier. I have my hair a little... Uh, my hair. <laughs> I have my life a little bit... bit <laughs> A little bit better put together. Yeah, yeah, definitely. <laughs> <laughs> right. All right. So yes, <laughs> control here. Control. Yes. Yeah, I think uh, most of our anxieties come from a, from a, a fear of control. Mm. I know I can speak from personal. A fear of control or a fear of letting go. Yeah. Le- letting well, of releasing control of okay, let, yeah. of of releasing our control over a situation. Sure. Right. Is that, is that kind of what you're getting at? I think that, yeah. yeah, that's what I'm getting at. Like, yeah, releasing, like, leaving in God's hands, let's right. say. You know, like, I'm not going to have control over it. I'm just going to see what happens. Yeah. You know, obviously I'm not just going to, you know, uh, start allowing things to fall off. You know, like, I'm not just going to not bathe. Mm-hmm. You know, that would be catast- catastrophic. But, right. You know, um, I'm, I'm, gonna, I'm not going to be, like, tensing continuously. Right. You know, and and, and, and and dreading. Sure. Am I going to be able to do this thing? Sure. Or am I going to be able to get to this point I want to get to? Yep. You know, just kind of like relax. Let, and then, and sort of like give it to God to some extent, which is huge. It's huge. And it's 
terrifying. And, yeah. I, and I think as you were speaking, one of the things that came to mind is, is the relationship between control and trust. Right. Because I think if you know, we were to boil it down, my inability to let go, at least, at least on one level, on the surface level, is based on my inability to trust yeah. whomever yeah. I'm abdicating my control well, to. And I think it's exceedingly, you know, it's even harder because, you know, I, I see you right now. I hear you. Mm-hmm. You know, I, I don't see God right exactly. now. I, I mean... Yeah, maybe on some metaphysical level, I'm seeing. I don't. I don't yeah. you know what I mean, though. The, I don't seeing seeing with the. It, yeah, we don't we don't see God yeah. with with our right. with our right. visual with our actual right physical eyes. Exactly. So I'm not seeing him. Yep. Right now, so it's it's essentially it's just putting your trust in something you don't see is it's not come natural to a human being. Yeah. You know you're not you, you know you, you, when you're born you see your parents. Mm-hmm. You know you know they're there. You know, you, you don't see him. Mm-hmm. I mean, you you know what I'm saying. Mm-hmm. He's everywhere, Pantahuparon. He's, mm-hmm. he's all, you know, encompassing, but you don't see him. And I think that that is part of the the struggle, the initial struggle anyway. Well, uh, this this is an interesting point because, uh, you know, this whole question of of being able to, to see, right? Um, and like like our ability to trust based on sight or not sight and i think i think it's a really good question because you know um yeah like what what about me being able to see you kind of allows me to trust you right more i mean a just the fact that i know you exist yeah, right at least to a certain on a fundamental level. on a fundamental yeah, level yeah. my my senses unless my senses are deceiving me which <laughs> unless you're a lunatic well unless i'm a lunatic <laughs> Which is possible. <laughs> Look, I mean, I didn't want to say anything. <laughs> my wife might no, I mean, <laughs> might agree with you there, but um, daddy, <laughs> like the children, like yeah, mommy. <laughs> well, people hallucinate, right? So it's like no, yeah, yeah. There is the possibility of being of For our sure. senses deceiving us. So sure. let's just you know admit that. Mm-hmm. But by all intents and purposes, my senses are, you know, some of the strongest means by which I perceive reality and have sort of a, a concrete assurance that something is real, right? It's like I can touch it, I can taste it, I can see it, I can smell it. Okay, therefore, there's some, yeah. it's real. It's not just in my mind. It's right, just, right, right, you right. Know, um, so, yeah. So, can we see God on that level? Well, I mean, some people have certainly, have certainly, you know, claimed to have experienced like that you said claimed yeah claimed no, it, to have experienced spiritual realities and spiritual phenomena which, on a on a, a physical level which right? takes me to some something on twitter uh because you know i manage the trisayun films mm-hmm. uh twitter account so i i see all these things yeah. i try to i'm not much into politics so i try to like yeah you know avoid all that but sometimes, like people will post things about um, about like pastors or mm-hmm. uh, you know other religions or whatever, and, and and there was this recently there was this woman pastor who claimed that she went to the throne of God and mm. saw his face, and was given a mantle or something like like Elijah, or, or something, and and I and I anyway, but it, yes, exactly, people yeah. claiming they oh yeah, but I don't think you were going that direction. Well, so yeah, so there there the the, the I mean. 
why I say claimed is because, you know, regardless of whether it was diluted or not, right, is it always passes through people's experience, right? So, like, they have to, yeah. you know, like, I, I can claim that I see you right now. Is that true? I mean, well, anyway, <laughs> objective versus subjective reality yeah. and truth. That's a whole other conversation right. for a whole other time. But, but what I'm trying to say is that... Um, is that the spiritual does manifest on the physical level, and mm-hmm. there have been people. And let's look at it from a Christian perspective on the most fundamental, Jesus Christ, right? right? Yeah. God mm-hmm. and human being inhabiting mm-hmm. time and space with a physical mm-hmm. body, right? So whether or not I have the ability to see Jesus Christ face-to-face in a physical way is one question, but then also even just taking it back to like on a historical level, yeah. on a historical level, there was this person named Jesus Christ, Something which, happened. yeah, which, you know, we have various um, eyewitness accounts yeah. and testimonies, both from his followers, but even, you know, from like Josephus and others who weren't, right, who mentioned him, who mentioned him and who weren't necessarily. Um, his, you know, devout devotees, um, and so there, you know, there are these, there, there are these eyewitness accounts of of a physical person um, who also himself made claims to being something more than just, you know, this kind of everyday guy, and was actually even used the word, you know, son of God, uh, or used the term son of God to describe himself, and then others described him not only as the son of God, but as actually God himself. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, you've seen me, right? You've seen the Father. Yep, yep. So yeah, the Gospel of John is kind of full of those sorts of references. So at least you know, on one level, we have this second-hand witness that God, God has been seen, or even like the burning bush, right? The voice. Um, so that there have been, there have been um, physical manifestations of the invisible God throughout the centuries, culminating in the incarnation itself. But also, I think we have to we have to include another aspect to that, which I think is beautifully depicted in um, the account in, I believe it's the Gospel of Luke, where the two disciples, who we know to be Luke and Cleopas, are walking on the road Amos. to Emmaus, and uh, or Amaus. I said uh, it the Greek way. No, no, it's good. <laughs> Amaius. Amaius. Um, whatever, yeah. They're walking on the road, right? And and this is after the... They don't the, recognize him. Yeah, after Jesus is crucified right. and raised that, from the that, dead. But they, don't, but know they don't know that. They just know that he died and that there are certain claims about... Right, they've been hearing things. They've been hearing things. And here here they are walking on the road and Jesus comes to them. He, he walks alongside them, but they don't see him. So yeah. he's physically there. Isn't that interesting? Right? Physically there. Yeah. But there, and it says specifically that their eyes are kept from seeing that it was Jesus. So it's not even that they didn't right. recognize him, but there was some sort of um, invisible right. hand kind of blinding. So interesting. Yeah, so interesting, and it gets even more interesting because then, he, you know, they're talking and and uh, and they're obviously very, you know, grieved about you know losing. Christ and uh, the Messiah and and uh, and they have this interchange and they say you know are you the only one around that hasn't uh, heard about this news and uh, and they tell him what the news is 
And uh, Jesus goes on to reveal to them, um, a, you know, more about himself in, uh, in, in Scripture and kind of opens up, opens up Scripture to them. And at the time, they still don't really recognize anything. But what does happen is, as they conclude their journey together, he makes as if he's going to continue on, right? And they constrain him to stay with them, and, and they show him hospitality. And I think all of these actions are significant. He, he's, he doesn't force himself on them, right? And it's only when they have sort of manifested this expression of love, not even recognizing who he was, but of desiring to host a stranger, right? Of show, showing philoxenia, right? Yeah. Mm-hmm. Bringing, bringing him into their own, into their house. And then he breaks bread, and it's in the breaking of the bread that their eyes are opened. Hmm. It's in the Eucharist hmm. that they're that they're able to physically. Not funny how it all leads back to it. All leads back to the Eucharist that they're able to physically recognize him. But then here's the other fascinating aspect. Then, as soon as the bread is broken, as soon as they recognize him, he disappears from their midst. And then what happens? Then they look back on their walk with him. And they said, did not our hearts burn within us as he opened right. up the scriptures to us? So at the time, they, didn't, they didn't, neither recognized him physically, nor were they aware of that sensation yeah. within them of their hearts burning as he opened up the Eucharist. But or it was a scripture. Uh, scripture, rather. But it was only in this realization after the fact yeah. that, they rec- that they recognized... A, a, a point of recognition that was beyond physical sight, and that was their right. their hearts burning within them. And um, there's so much there. Right. No, I mean, there's so to, much to there unpack to, to unpack. You know, as far as like, as far as um, you know, being able to, yeah, trust an a, a, an invisible God and visibility, invisibility. Um, recognizability unrecognizability you know in other words i think you know we live in a very and i'm not i'm not i I say a lot of these things probably not fully comprehending what they actually mean historically philosophically whatever but i'm told that we live in a very like objectivist culture in the sense of like like everything has to be boiled down to kind of like we'll do rationalistic right (laughs) rationalistic empirical like objective truth and 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 that anything that has to do with anything beyond that is like feelings basically and just like just chemicals yeah feelings like yeah that's what just feelings it's what i've heard like you know in in criticism of of star wars Uh uh-huh um yes i'm going to bring up star wars in this podcast (laughs) good yeah um i'm a fan well on and off. Anyway, yeah. So uh, yeah, no, but that that people who like prefer Star Trek mm-hmm. to Star Wars because Star Wars is just a bunch of feelings. Mm-hmm. Right. There's so many feelings in it. Right. It's a feeling. Yeah. You know, and 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 you know, they prefer the objectivity and the, sure. and the, the cold science. kind of. Yeah, yeah. Well, yeah. Cold hard facts, right? Basically, I mean, yeah. To say that Star Trek is just cold hard facts is. What, right. Yeah, right. It's, it's not quite that, but but yes. But where's but, the focus? Where's the kind of yeah? It's on cold hard facts. It's right. on. <laughs> it's on. It's on humanism and yeah. uh, and and rationalism. That's what yeah. Star Trek's all about. Yeah. Um, a reality where where um, 
humanity evolves through the means of 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 knowledge of knowledge through science mm-hmm. and and uh, that's it actually yeah so humanity is now evolved like like we're no longer fighting we're just no longer like I don't know I've even heard, like in the shows like no currency like mm-hmm. you just you just you know you were perfect mm-hmm. you know and the future is perfect and there's there's no religion they mm-hmm. never mention religion in it and uh, anyway. But yeah, it's, um, a, it's a it's a narrative. It's kind of like the the playing out of this humanistic narrative. Oh yeah. Oh yeah. Of Completely. like our our evolution as mm-hmm. humans. That the more evolved we are, the more scientifically oriented we are. Mm-hmm. We kind of put aside these like primitive, um, yeah. kind of uh, Sup- ignorant, blind, superstitious, superstitious, kind of, yeah. you know, religious kind of tendencies, and and, and that, that that's a that's a very specific narrative. You yeah. Know I mean, and. and uh, you know, we have to kind of like, I think, I mean, people who subscribe to that narrative would, I think, very, very um, kind of uh, very concretely and, and, you know, with with a lot of certainty say that it's not just a narrative, it's truth, it's reality, right? right, right? right, right. And for us, in many ways, we would say, well, no, that's not true. Mm -hmm. There's an alternative narrative. And I think one of the things I've appreciated um, from my studies uh, and and kind of dipping my foot into the philosophy of a of a Canadian philosopher by the name of Charles Taylor, uh, who wrote this huge 900-page book called *The Secular Age*, that I'm starting to listen to on audiobook right now, is this notion that we've got these competing narratives, right? We've got the narrative of those of those who are sort of the the unbelievers, right? And we've got the narrative of those who are like the maybe more like religious believers, right? And the the thing is, is that those is is that each of those narratives are haunted, or the people that subscribe to each of those narratives are haunted by the possibility that the other narrative could be true. Yeah. And I and I think that's both that both for me that both identifies an underlying anxiety, I think, that I've always struggled with ever since I had the ability to kind of think about things a little bit more, yeah. you know, um, no, no, you're, yeah. deeply, right. like maybe starting in high school or whatever, sure. was just that that anxiety of like, okay, I, you know, I subscribe to all this. I grew up in this tradition. Like, I believe that it's all true. But then there's this yeah, this if. kind of, yeah, this what if, right? Um, but I think it's it's equally as fascinating, if not more so in my mind, that somebody who who is a devout unbeliever is also always going to be haunted by the possibility that what if, you know, and so we're like, we're, we're, you know, we're, we're these kind of parallel narratives that are like haunted by each other's, you know, belief system, you could say. And, and that is what Charles Taylor calls living in, um, in a cross pressured universe. You know where where yeah there are these kind of like there's like these like cross pressures you know like you you are um, yeah you have a certain orientation but there's this cross pressure that's kind of like that's kind of like pushing against you a little bit right. and then other people have this other orientation but they're being pushed against by yeah you know and and so there's this feeling of of this uh, there's a cross pressured feeling right and um, and you know it's basically this idea that that um, that you know it's kind of a fragilization of of belief systems because of the possibility that somebody else's belief system could be true, 
Um, but, you know, ultimately the thing that I, my takeaway with all of this is actually not like less belief or not even like, like relativism or nihilism. It's actually, it actually brings me to a place in, in some senses of kind of, of gentleness mm. and sensitivity about things mm. because it's like, all right, certainty. Mm. Okay. Maybe there was a sense in which the pre-moderns had a level of certainty about things and were not haunted by, right. you know, the possibility of disbelief. And, yeah. and, he, and that's what he gets into in his huge, you know, huge uh, study is basically you have this 500 year progression from like before the 1500s mm-hmm. and like uh, when like Renaissance and Humanism, Protestant Reformation Humanism, and Enlightenment. Yeah, yeah, humanism. When all of that sort of and he really identifies, actually, he kind of like locates it in the Protestant Reformation, which is kind of interesting. I would have gone earlier, but yeah. Yeah, but like, Regardless. I, anyway, there's a whole reason why he does that. I'm not going to sure, get sure, into sure. that. But, but basically, starting from there, 500, uh, you know, 500 years go by. And like prior to the 1500s, basically, prior to that, like yeah. to the Protestant Reformation, mm-hmm. it would have been in- incredible, like unbelievable for somebody to not believe in God. Yeah. Fast forward 500 years, it's the exact opposite. Right. Yeah. In other words, it's like it's 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 more it's almost for many people it's more Calm. incredible and and unbelievable for people to believe with that same level of yeah. certainty, yeah. right? Well, because then yeah. Yeah, then, like like you know, I remember I was listening to a history podcast about the um, I don't like calling it this, the Byzantine Empire. Mm-hmm. The Roman, the Christian Roman Empire, right? For or yeah, so and 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 about um, Emperor Heraclius who who retrieved the cross, defeated the Persians. Yes, and and uh, and uh, he, you know, he, the podcaster, the historian was like, you know, um, I wonder, I, I, you know, I, when I would read about you know him and, and stuff, I, I always wondered if he had this sense that what if this isn't real? Mm-hmm. And he goes, of course, atheism didn't exist then. Right. Like, you know, it does now. But, you know, always I just crossed my mind, he said. And, you know, I think that people, so many things have happened, I mean, so many things have happened since, what was that, 7th century? You know, um, early 7th century? Um, yeah, they, 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 there was a mysticism to the world around them. Mm-hmm. They didn't know what was out, you know, I mean, okay, they could see the night sky, obviously, but... They they had a they had a mis, they had a mystical, um, sure. They leaned towards the mystical, right? And it's what it's what. Um, or not being able to explain something. It's what Charles Taylor talks about as being an an enchanted enchanted world versus yeah. a disenchanted. Right, exactly. Yeah. You know, and it's like it's like they didn't know they couldn't explain things, and and so they. You know, okay. We make, some people might call that superstition. Mm-hmm. Um, surely, sure. You know, when uh, a volcano erupted, you know, people say, "Oh, that's God's anger and stuff." And we know that it's not God's anger. And it's, you know, no, it's not. You know, it's a natural occurrence that happens on this planet. Yes.
so yeah, I think what we're trying to say here in short is that, you know, there was this overall question that we were getting at as far as control is concerned and that control is really related to trust. Yeah. And you, I think, brought up the question that, you know, it's easy to trust someone who's sitting right in front of you, right. but how easy it is, to, is it to trust God who is by all intents and purposes invisible to our physical sight? And I think this whole conversation so far has been an attempt to try and nuance that a little bit and to show that this um, sort of uh, instinct to, or this uh, assumption that you can only trust something that you can see yeah. is really based on a very long development within our society um, from you know pre-modernity all the way up until today that has sort of m turned us into these you know, very rationalistic, very kind of um, individualistic God. beings that, that really don't see the reality or the value or the, or yeah, the reality of anything beyond what you can see, touch, taste, smell. You know, the point I'm making overall as far as like pre, like what we call pre-modernity, if nice we're going word. to compartmentalize everything, because we love doing that. We do. Um, you know, they had less, con they had a, what was it? You said it before. Yeah. Um, they had a less less control over the world, right? There, there was not this, or seemingly less seeming, control. Yeah, there was not a pretense of control. Like they didn't they didn't pretend that they had any control, right? Was, you know, there were these forces, these external forces around you that sort of did what they yeah, the wanted to, whether you liked it or not. Yeah. So whether they were good forces or bad forces, and then they would attempt to explain those forces through something mystical exactly. a lot of the time. Yeah, yeah, like a, like as you were mentioning, like natural disasters, yeah, like, like a volcano volcanoes. or earthquake. Right, and, and, and even just, yeah, these like, you know, like the influences of various spirits and things like that, there was this sense that someone could be influenced by an evil spirit even if they didn't want to be, per right. se, and that, you know, they would, they would then go to the priest or to the doctor or something like that, and then they would have some sort of prayer read over them or... Um, some sort of they would take some sort of potion or something like that yeah. and that would kind of um, you know be able to heal them but you know there was there was the sense of again to use a term by Charles Taylor this sense of porousness like that that the self was porous and was not sort of buffered against all of these forces and was they were able to influence the person in a way that they might not even have chosen per se whereas now it's like we can control pretty um, much anything. We can control our identity. We can control, you know, any kind of aspect of yeah. who we are. Our, our gender. Our gender, our belief system, our, um, you know, our, our, you know, our, our various, you know, beliefs, even in, in, in health choices and things like that. I mean, everything sort of um, emanates from basically the fact that I am a, a, an autonomous mind right. and that I can, I can sort of control my reality around me. Mm -hmm. And there's only a very thin kind of um, layer or very kind of like very small amount of, of residue, you could say, from this previous age uh, as far as like my ability to influence or control you. Yeah, and, I, yeah, I, I, and it's very interesting because I think that, you know, I always... In when every time I hear somebody say, well, how could God allow my father, my brother, my whatever, right. somebody I love, die? Sure. And all I can think nowadays is mm -hmm. generations of people died. Sure. Randomly, you know, seemingly randomly. Yeah. And people and the, and the religions that we have were all passed on from them. Sure. So 
this this it, it, it it's really truly a modern thing. Well, I don't believe in God right. because he let my mom die. Right. You know, and it's like, well, people used to just die at this, you know, a yeah. lot more. Like they die, we don't know why they died. Yeah. And and that's and it's just a very modern thing to yeah. this yeah, lack of control. Exactly. We have to be able to control everything. Exactly. There's a it's a it's a power it's a power dynamic in many ways. It's like if I can control it, then I can then I have power over it. And um, and you know, having power over my circumstances allows me to live a happy life, or so I think. Right. You know. And I think I think really at the end of the day, it, it's it's a it's a facade. Sure. That we're in control of all of this. Sure. Oh yeah. There's no question. I mean. It, yeah. That's actually that you know one of uh, you know one of the kind of like, again very non um, kind of. Uh, not very ignorant theories that I have, you know, not based on a huge amount of factual evidence because I'm not an expert in any of this. Where are we going? Um, <laughs> is is uh, that I think the statistical rise in mental health challenges in our day and age is actually sort of this sideways manifestation of our lack of control. Mm -hmm. And it's sort of like as we progress and develop technologically and scientifically and things like that and we make these advancements and kind of try to build up this armor this of kind of like our hum our humanism you know this sort of other aspect just kind of pops out of our of our individual and collective That's sort of really interesting yeah and we and we and we see very very clearly that indeed you know you know when i have a you know panic attack or when i'm just like super depressed or whatever the case may be like you know, I have no control. Like I'm, I'm just like this little baby. You know, and um, you know, and that's I think in many ways, you know, I don't know. I mean, depending on how you look at it, and I know this is treading on thin ice as far as like I'm not saying that any of those things are are blessings in and of themselves, but it certainly makes gives one pause as far as you know, if I if I am on this slippery slope of thinking that I have control over everything, then maybe something like a, you know a struggle with some sort of mental illness will at the very least kind of put the brakes on that and and remind me that indeed you know right yeah and i know that doesn't help anybody like in the moment or anything it could but, it could but depending yeah, on somebody's perspective in that moment. right yeah. but um yeah so all that i mean all that to say that uh you know the the notion of of control i think yeah, i think you're right and i think it does underlie a lot of a lot of issues that we deal with and um, that question of why is God doing this or that you know because I hear that so often sure you know and I, I mean I think to an extent that is just a natural human impulse after a tragedy sure, to want to, to want to kind of like to want to identify the, the kind of blame in a certain sure, sense sure, you know sure. I mean even as far back as the gospel there I'm was the, sure that they did yeah there was initially well the, even just with the member the blind man who was born blind for, he was blind yeah, from his youth and the I think it was the apostles asking Jesus you know who is at fault his this man or his parents who has sinned yeah um, and um, so even then there's this sense of like well who's who's to blame for this thing right and yeah, they um, didn't say it was a god or you know Right. Well, in the, yeah. I get, well, in this sense, in this way, actually, Christ, in in some senses, puts the quote unquote blame on God by saying that he was born this way so that oh, for the for the glory of God, God yeah. you know. So that I mean, you know, in the sense that if he when he's healed, then it will be right, right, right. revealed that God. This is, is a great opportunity. Is kind of what he. Yeah. Yeah. Um, but yeah, but I definitely 
agree and see your point as far as like how things developed, you know, even like the medical revolution that kind of gave this sense of optimism and, and hope for humanity. Yeah, that, you know. it's human, and I think we use the word humanism a lot, and I, I, if somebody doesn't know what exactly that is, I mean, essentially it boils down to a belief in humanity, mm-hmm. a belief a taking... In and of itself. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Taking God out of the equation for a minute, or yep. completely, and making humanity the thing that you're going to believe in. Yeah, that the evolution bring, of humanity. Yeah, that, that it will bring forth... Uh, you know, for back, lack of better words that I can come up with, uh, eternal life. Right. You know. Um, and yeah, the history of that is a whole other topic. You know, you see it in the, in the Renaissance art where, where they start to focus so much on the, the human body, the, mm-hmm. the male and female body, and they, you know, and, and then from there it goes on. But um, it's interesting how control, I think, may be one of the biggest topics mm-hmm. of the of the 20th and 21st century. I mean, yeah. control is such a huge deal. I mean, forget political control of governments and things like that. That's not even... <laughs> who's in control? Yeah, who's in control. Uh, that, but, like, the, those things are not even as important as the overall yeah. um, idea yeah. of trying to control reality that this reality can be controlled and we will make it better and we will be able to find everlasting life in this reality. Sure. And the, at the end of the day, everlasting life will not come from this reality. Well, yeah. I mean, I think just by kind of sort of human logic or I mean, it's, it's really, it's, it's pretty insane in some senses to say you don't need to be in control. It's yeah. insane in the sense of like, you you know you, again you're you're abdicating, you know your control over a situation. I think in, in some senses it's natural, it's natural to want sure. to control something or to to control your circumstances to have some sort of control because without control, you know the assumption would be there's chaos, right? Right. You are. You're sort of at the whim and at the you know at the just kind of um, yeah you're 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 at the, the terms escaping me you're at the I know what you mean pleasure of you know at the oh gosh I can't you're you're at the mercy thank you I... you're at the mercy of uh, of your circumstances yeah right and um, so it's not even just that we let go right because if we just let go again we could be letting go you know, to to what? To who? You're saying that we who are we letting go to? You're you know? saying we shouldn't be negligent. Well, or just just this. Yeah, I'm just kind of exploring this idea of control and how, again, in some senses, I think it's natural to not want to let go and to to, to want to maintain some level of control over one's life because if you don't, then again, the assumption is is that you're just going to enter into this state of chaos, right? And I think that just begs the ultimate question of, of, is are you letting go and are you are you abdicating control to this kind of impersonal force to this kind of like nothingness to this kind of chaotic something, or are you abdicating control to some personal being that is the source of it all, 
that ultimately is not chaotic but is beyond our our sort of understanding and our notion of order has an order of of its own you know the divine order of things that's ordered everything and and if, if even if something looks chaotic to us it might be very ordered to god so it's i mean it comes down to that that fundamental question of you know you know what or you know what do we believe about what's beyond us as humans there's a really great story um, from the somebody's account of with Elder Paisio, Saint Paisios, and uh, and um, it was actually um, when, when we made our it was a quote unquote trailer for our our documentary on Saint Paisios, mm-hmm. and um, the, this person was driving him. He couldn't he couldn't he didn't know how to drive, I guess, hmm. and uh, he was driving him to Suroti. The women's monastery mm-hmm. that he founded, Paisius, where Saint pa- that Saint Paisius was founded, mm-hmm. and on the way there, he was, um, he asked him a question. He asked him, uh, "What is God like? Now, what is he like?" Mm-hmm. And uh, Saint, and suddenly Saint Paisius lowered his head, and started to pray, and in that moment, this like, I don't even know, like the, he opened up. Mm-hmm. The the heavens to him. He opened mm-hmm. up. He could see into the into the, into the into the sky into space. Mm-hmm. The, the driver could see all of you know mm-hmm. far out beyond the earth. And mm-hmm. and and he realized in that moment. Well, well, rather he had been worried for a long time about the state of affairs of the world. Yeah. And then yeah. and in this moment, that's not even the question. You know, what is going to happen? He didn't ask him. But he might have maybe earlier. Right. But. He then realized God's overall sort of control, control, or, or rather presence yep. that that this providence. isn't providence. That this isn't this isn't. He's not just letting this ball spin wildly without any without it. You know, without what's the word? Yeah, with yeah, without any order. without any order to it, or without yep. being aware of it, or without his presence being there. Yeah, and so he. But in that small prayer, of, of like, and then it, which led the the driver to say, to ask the question, "Who is this? Mm-hmm. This this Baisios? Sure. Who is this? Who with a small prayer can do such amazing things?" But that's, um, yeah. But, uh, yeah. So I, I think the unseen reality of it all, yep, is is uh is that, and it's hard, it's hard to swallow, you know that that. Yeah, I, I don't see things from that perspective. I don't I don't So maybe maybe we yeah. can make that connection in saying that sight there is something about sight and control. Sure. Right? Like I'm not saying that you can't see things or that you or that, you know, there should not be any affirmation of our placing ourselves into the hands of an invisible God. In other words, if there's no pushback if there's no reciprocation right then like the once father maximus and now bishop uh, metropolitan athanasius of limasso says then we're just religious ideologues right it's just we have this idea that there's a god out there but we have no firsthand experience of that mm-hmm. right so i'm so there is definitely a value and an importance in having some sense or some taste of the reality and the presence of god 
But I guess my question is, there does seem to be some element of, well, if I can't see him, he doesn't exist. Right. And that, to me, smells a little bit like a desire to control God. Oh, for sure. Right. And, for sure, and, for sure. And to and to kind of, you know, place him within the confines of my for sure. system and my way of. I mean, I think I've, I think I've brought the ancient Greeks up multiple times. And it, mainly because of their attempt to control the gods. Yeah, they, right. they were, you know, they saw the first of all the gods were pretty much like they were, right. or like we are, yep. Yep. <laughs> you know, pretty petty, yep. <laughs> um, but with no restraints, right? Because yes. because they they were gods, right? Um, and they would and they would, um, you know, so they always tried to find ways to even trick the gods. Yeah, where they would they would carve out part of the sacrifice that was the best part of yep. the animal yep. and then burn the car- the rest of it mm-hmm. saving the good part right, for themselves yeah. to, trick them, yeah. to trick Zeus yeah. into giving them a good harvest as if he wouldn't, as if he wouldn't know that they had burned right. it yeah. and, and that you know I think you're completely right saying well I can't see God or I can't put him in a box it's like trying to control him yep. that you somehow are in control of this this beyond comprehension deity sure and 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 kind of like who do you think you are and i'm, I, I'm not talking to anyone in yeah. particular i'm talking to me well, there is that one person that I'd like there is to that one guy yeah i'm just kidding <laughs> you know who you know you know who you are uh, <laughs> no but i think yeah. we all fall into that yes, somewhere, absolutely you know um like basically saying like if i can't see god therefore god does not exist yeah so who are we to draw that direct connection right for like, sure. At, at the very least, we could say, well, I don't see God, therefore, maybe I don't have the the proper sense perception to see God. Yeah. Like, is, could that at least be a vague possibility? I think, I think, I think, <laughs> yeah, for sure. You, well, you, <laughs> he pointed at the microphone. Yes. Um, yeah, no, for sure, and and I think that that's what people were trying to do in like the '60s in the states when they were sure. taking the, when taking I almost LSD. said taking the drugs, <laughs> but they were taking drugs, the LSD drugs. and uh, mushrooms yeah. and all that stuff, Open you know. Up their yeah, kind of sense And I was listening one day, or not once, but I, sometimes I'll, I listen to this thing where this guy reads trip reports. Trip reports. That's what he calls the people who report what the, what happened with, on their oh. trip. Mm. On their, you know, psychedelic trip, yeah. and and my goodness, some of the it. things that uh, people describe, yeah, almost demonic, yeah, at oh, some sure. point. You know? I, I've I've I have heard from firsthand accounts, sure, of people that have done like, uh, what's it called, ayahuasca. You're right. Down yes, in, uh, that some America. of those were the ones in the, yeah. in some the really, story. Really interesting things, but I could go on a file. Yeah. Yeah. Well, but I mean, that's that does that is another example of that's, control, though. Isn't right. It? That's an example of control. But it is also an example of, of the spiritual realm mm. opening ourselves up to the spiritual realm in a negative sense, right? In a, in or a, just in a, yeah. Yeah, well, it's almost like opening up the spiritual realm in a uh, uncontrolled, uncontrolled environment. Yeah, we're gonna talk about control. Sure, because you're just taking a thing. Right, you think you're controlling it. Right. by opening yourself, or maybe maybe you don't think you're controlling. It. I don't. Know. You, you don't know what you're doing. Right. <laughs> maybe. Right. Yeah. Um, yeah. And in doing that, you're inviting. Anything, yep. to you, uh, which is another example of a lack of control in something, mm-hmm. which is bad. So, control, you know, yeah, we're trying to. I think we we're starting off on this saying how bad control is, right? But in some ways, <laughs> sure, you, you having need, some 
Well, self-control for one. Self-control, yeah. That's one of the fruits of the Spirit. Right. Yeah, so what what is positive about control? I mean, we're talking about self-control, so, you know, and it is a fruit of the Spirit, right? Right. Um, Love, joy, peace, kindness, gentleness, faithfulness, self-control. The Beatitudes. Yeah. Well, yeah. Uh, uh, not Beatitudes, St. Paul's oh, 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 oh. Yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. Anyway um, So yeah, the, I mean the, the presence of the Spirit The fruit of that presence One of the fruits of that presence is being able to Is it ingratia, I think is the You know, the Greek word is like Being able to to uh, hold yourself together Right, right, that's right? what it means yeah. um, And uh, it's, it's interesting I mean, it, it, you know, again, this whole time we've been talking about how control Like having right, a tight right. grip on things not surrendering, not trusting, um, is is sort of antithetical to, you know, the Christian understanding mm-hmm. of, of God and, and of being able to surrender to this to this right. you know, at least physically invisible in this moment mm-hmm. God. Mm-hmm. Um, and yet here we are thinking about how self control is a is a fruit of the presence of the Holy Spirit. So how did, how does that all kind of pan out I know I need self-control <laughs> I, why what tell me about that what, yeah I mean and I mean what, what makes you say that what, what's where's the frustration <laughs> there the uh, kind of sense of I mean yeah. I think uh, well I mean you know with normal human things right you know you speak before you think mm-hmm. or, you know you know you say something you get you get upset and you say it mm-hmm. and or then, you're you're on like for me it's like you know mindlessly scrolling through something you know like online or something and not being able to just kind of do what I need to do sure uh, self-control can come in so many different right different uh, what is yeah what is self-control in, as, as far as that I guess I always define it as being I am able to control the excess mm-hmm. not going into excess mm-hmm. so I, I control that I control the words I use the things I see the things I do that they don't become excessive or out of bounds, or, or whatever you know. That's I guess how I think is you know. Yeah, moderation. Moder moderation, I think, is what. Yeah. Uh, what it kind of not going to extremes. In right, way. right. I mean, I think I think there's it's no accident that there's a connection between the presence of God, presence of the Holy Spirit, right, presence of grace in my being, and my desire to live a moderate life, my desire to not go to extremes, and I think. You know, whatever control or self-control looks like, I think one aspect of it is simply is this sort of like experiential journey of experiencing the Holy Spirit, experiencing the presence of God. And then in my fickle human state, I overeat Hmm. and then I lose that experience. You know, or I. Why or, do you lose it? Well, I mean, why I, do you lose? If you overeat, why do you lose? Why? It? Why would overeating? Yeah, for instance. Yeah, I mean, it's. I mean, it's similar to why. I, like I, I've used this example before, but I went to a a really great concert one time with my wife, and it was like a you know a kind of like acoustic folk kind of concert, and um, you know some you know some concerts are nice. You know that the musician is like talented. It's like okay, that's, that was nice, but. Um, and then you go away and, you know, it doesn't necessarily like have an impact on you. Then other concerts, I feel like, you know, you're, you've just come from like a, a busy day, you're, you're stressed out, your mind's all over the place. And then you, and then the musician starts and they just have such a gift 
mm. as far as like their their art that they really sort of draw you into this world sure. and out of your quote unquote earthly cares mm. you know and your 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 sort of like sure. <laughs> you, it really impacts you in a really powerful way and this was one of those musicians and w there was it was a um, a dinner theater so we had the opportunity to eat as well and I, I, I had a din I had dinner and I had dessert, but I didn't overstuff myself. Mm. And it, it clicked in my mind as far as like fasting even, mm. you know, where like, like if I had overstuffed myself, I would not have enjoyed that concert mm. as much as I did. Yeah. It just, that just was a fact. I knew it. I, right. I, I knew it experientially that thankfully I ate moderately and I didn't overstuff myself. Um, and therefore, I was able to be filled with yeah. this music, you know. And, right. I, and I think it gets at what Christ talks about, you know, in the temptations um, where man does not live by bread alone, mm. but by every word that comes from the mouth of the Father or whatever. You know, this, this, this understanding that humans, a bit, a, you know, base, fundamental to who we are as humans is that we, do, we cannot just subsist on food. That yeah. as, as, as wonderful and as nourishing and as essential food is for yeah. our at least our survival, right? If we start to turn that into this kind of existential or spiritual kind of object, if we try to, you know, if we idolize or objectify food, right, and, and try to have it fill that deeper You're going to be hungry again hole, anyway. Yeah, you're going to be hungry again, and it doesn't actually do it, no, right? It doesn't, it doesn't do it. So I think, I think there's something with eating with with food where um you know we desire this sense of fullness right yeah we i think that's that's a very fundamental human desire the sense of fullness and fulfillment right and spirituality you know and, and the kind of spiritual realm and you know within context of christianity right like the presence of god in us the presence of the holy spirit satisfies that craving for fullness yeah. Right. So it's somewhat I mean, I don't know exactly how to articulate this, but it's like when that fullness is in me, when I I feel full, spiritually speaking, I don't want to displace that fullness yeah. with created stuff. And so it's almost like that's why it's a fruit of the spirit mm -hmm. and not just a a means to acquire the spirit it's mm -hmm. it's like when i have the spirit i i, I literally don't want to mm. overstuff myself mm. but i do mm. because i'm fickle mm -hmm. and then i lose it i think i've told this story briefly yeah but, um uh, uh, bishop from cyprus said how he his mother was standing his 90 something year old mother was standing in church and and think he was standing next to her. I don't know if he was a... I think he must have been a pre-ordained at the time. Maybe he wasn't. I don't know. But anyway, regardless, he said to her, Mom, just sit down. It's fine. And then she went to go sit down. And then she stood right back up. Mm -hmm. And she go, and and, and, uh, and he goes, what are you doing? You know, it's okay. And she goes, no, I'm, I'm losing the sure the connection. Yeah. The, you know. and, and we have to... I think we have to read those and, and, and sort of understand those stories very delicately in the sense that 
Oh yeah. A, a, a rough interpretation of that, a sort of a, yeah, don't a, stand in church. Don't sit like, in church. Yeah, is like it's kind of like a legalistic yeah. like right. No, no, no. You know, or, this or is that personal. She was, yeah, that she was somehow kind of like compulsively not able to sit right, know, because no. she felt this guilt or something. You know, yeah, no, 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 and no. that has nothing to do with it. She literally felt right. the spirit. Yeah. Leaving her because there was because there's two there are two competing comforts. Yeah. There's the comfort and the consolation of the Holy Spirit. And then there's physical comfort, right? Of this world, if you may. Of this world, yeah. yeah. And 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 when we have tasted of the divine comfort, right? Then you know we we start to become educated. I and guess more more say. aware of it. More aware of it, and then also we we learn what increases it and what diminishes it. Right. And for you know for many people, in, indulging in food and physical comforts and things like that. It's 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 a very experiential thing. It's not theoretical. It's not moralistic. It's like experientially, I, can, I feel this presence. I feel this fullness. I feel the sense that this is what life's all about. It's very easy to do it. Yep. And and then one judgmental thought or one prideful thought or or one you know extra cookie or you know and it's like we all do this right and it's like a lifelong pedagogy. It's a lifelong formation. You know, as far as like how to hold on to, not control, but how to preserve mm. the presence of God in our lives, the fullness mm. of, of life, right, in our lives. And, and you're right, it's not control. No, it's not. Because control would be to, because there are times, I think, even when we're, we didn't do anything wrong, or maybe there's a kind of a subtle pride that creeps yeah. in, or whatever the case may be, where... God's presence, God's the perception of God's presence or God's perceptible presence takes a step back. Yeah. And and there's nothing we could do to like control that in a yeah. certain sense, right? Even Christ on the cross oh, said, yeah, My can't... God, my God, why have you forsaken me? Right. right. So that's a very I think that's a very human experience. Yeah. Um, so it's not it's not that we're controlling, it's that we're learning, we're being educated. We're being formed experientially as to how to attract grace, how to attract and preserve exactly. the experience of fullness. Because it's, it's given. It's not... It's a um, gift. It's a gift. Yep. It's not a... It's not a possession. It's not a possession. That's the interesting thing. The saints are not possessors. The um, vessels. Right. That are being filled. Right. Yep. Watch Vessel of Grace. Beautiful. Our yes. documentary on, on St. Paisius. Yep. Um, yeah, exactly. They're not possessing any of it. It's not theirs. Yep. I mean, so theirs is a yeah. gift, but it's, it's not theirs. a gift that they put in their pocket sure. and hold on to. Because the moment they do that, oh, it'll anybody go does away. that, it'll, it'll go away. Because it'll I, and I think, if I may, I think this might be a nice way to kind of tie things up. Sure. Is that ultimately the, the answer to control is seeing everything as a gift. Mm. You know, that, that in other words, my need, my addiction, my, my desire, kind of almost compulsive desire to control everything, right, perhaps might start to diminish the more I cultivate this awareness that everything has been given to me. You know? That it's not my possession. That even this very life, even my very existence, yeah. has been given to me. And really, and really, um, the fact that we come and go. 
fact that we come and go, yeah. Yeah, is an example of that this isn't, you can't keep any of it. Right? Sure. I was in a play called uh, You Can't Take It With You. Yes, yes. You know, so I mean, it's just true. And the more we, uh, the, the, uh, this harkens back to before when we were talking about how advancements of medicine, this illusion that we can hold on to mm-hmm. this life, this yeah. finite life, it's, illu- it's an illusion. Yeah. And that, uh, yeah, I think everything's put, a gift. Everything's a gift. This life, the, the air that you're breathing, the, the lungs that you have are a gift. You will have them for a certain period of time, and then you will no longer. Yeah. And I think, that, I mean, I, I'd be interested to hear from someone who doesn't even believe in God, like, a, you know, who has kind of holds to more of an atheistic or at least agnostic view of things. But I, I mean, I, it's, it would, I, it's hard for me to imagine that that wouldn't even resonate to an extent with them. Oh, yeah, I think that... You know, because even if you don't believe that... Even if you believe that things just end right, at the sure. grave, yeah. there's still a sense that, you know, you came into this world totally naked, right? Yeah. <laughs> You're going to go out of this world without being able to bring any possessions, and everything in between, you know, is sort of this... Yeah, this experience of, of being formed and being given and being shaped, you know, by life and by people and... <laughs> how much control do we have in that regards over death and over you know immortality and you know it's like so either I sort of resign myself to this kind of nihilistic sense of kind of chaos and it's just all meaningless and right which yeah. you know everybody has to make those decisions for themselves right yeah. or yeah there's this sense that um, yeah that I'm, I'm uh, in many ways I'm a little I'm a little peon, <laughs> you know. I'm 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 a nothing. I'm I'm yeah. a nothing, you know. Yeah. From from that sort of sort of Ecclesiastes and you know verses in the Psalms where it's like you know what is what is our life? It's just like this you know grass that grass, just kind yeah. of from shoots Psalm, up. Psalms. yeah from the Psalms, and then and then just withers away, you know. It's like it's like snap and we're gone. You know, it's like this moment. You know, we're, we essentially we can boil everything down to a moment compared to <clears throat> the you know the millions and billions yeah. of years. Yeah, and what's interesting is that in all of this, we've the more that humanity has discovered about the stars and all mm-hmm. that stuff. Just makes us in, feel even, even in smaller. Con- yeah, in contrast to the humanistic and, uh, you know, age and all that, right. actually should really... Humble us. Humble us. Yeah. And not in denial... Well, well, there is there is that tendency. There like, is. I've heard, like, even this, like, 10-year-old girl, I was sitting in a coffee shop one time, and she was with her, her dad... And uh, and she was basically spouting all this stuff that she had heard in science class and being like, you know, talking about like multiverses and how, you know, this is just one of many universes. And, um, and you know, I, I, like I, I'm very unscientific, like I, I know almost nothing about right. science, but, um, but like the sense that I got more from just the narrative that she was sort of trying to, that she was relaying from her teacher was this very nihilistic narrative and and you know I could just see her dad just sort of like getting more and more depressed and like feeling smaller and smaller as she's sort of like telling him all about how we're just you know stardust or whatever and I mean you know so it's it's you know there's there's a nihilism to it to the vanity of life if there's if there's nothing more mm. And, and that's really the question is, um, you know, is it just, 
because we were created from nothingness. Mm-hmm. So the nihilism is not just a philosophy, it's an existential awareness of our of our nothingness, yeah. you know, of, of the state that, from which we've come. It's correct up to a point. It's correct up to a point. And it's and it's and it's one direction, I guess you could say. But then there's another direction which is towards somethingness mm. and towards being with a capital B and towards in into the not just in, in kind of transcending even our our humanness yeah. and and kind of entering into the realm of the divine and yeah. um, and the eternal and uh, yeah I mean I don't think there's anything much more to say than that you know just yeah I think we're good yeah I think we can uh, wrap it up um, very interesting topic I think yeah it, you know it, it could go on forever so uh, all right yeah. let's call it. And uh, we will hope you all enjoy. And uh, we'll see you next time. Sounds good.